0: Hey there fellow entrepreneurs, if you're tired of complicated domain management, I've got the solution for you, Hover.com. Hover makes registering and managing domains a breeze. Their clean interface and hassle-free experience will save you time and frustration. No upsells, no hidden fees, just straightforward domain services. Plus, Hover offers top-notch customer support. Make your life easier, head over to foxcitiesmm.com hover and simplify your jo- domain journey today.
1: You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small, rural community of Wisconsin.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. And Gavin, it's been a while since we did this one, maybe a couple weeks. Huh? It, has it? Maybe. Yeah. I don't remember. So what do you got for us today? Looks like a series of murders, yeah, that correct, or oh, I think we talked about this a little bit, isn't it something with Native Americans? yeah, as this I like is, to call them
1: yeah, this is this is Indian justice
0: Indian justice all yeah. right,
1: well. that's that's what I'm calling it. it's <laughs> my it's my title, Steven Seagal in Indian <laughs> Justice. well, take her away, all right, so I don't remember exactly where I was, but um, I was in some book. And it was like a history of Chilton or something. And it had a section on the earliest murders that happened in Calumet County. I mean, and these are so early that it's not even Calumet County yet. Like, that's how far back this is. They were in there, and they were pretty short. I mean, they were maybe a paragraph each. And I was like, okay, this is cool. We haven't done Calumet County. I'll add that in. And I can probably, you know, make them a bit longer than the paragraph, get an actual story out of them. Uh So, I I was able to do that. So, how about that? Awesome. Yeah. So, this one, again, is going to be one of those that has, like, a lot of history in it. So, for you who just like to hear, guy got shot, guy got stabbed, this is not for you. Because I'm going to talk about all kinds of things that happened uh between the Native community and the white community in the early days of Wisconsin. um And how they were handled and... Uh, so, if you're not into that, sorry, because there's going to be a lot of that to try to put the context into what's going on here.
0: So, are these going to be taking place prior to Chief Oshkosh's murder?
1: They might be. I They're a similar time period. Okay. I don't recall the exact year the Oshkosh story happened. But it's a similar time, time period. period. Yeah. Okay. And, and thank you for asking, because I know that when we did Oshkosh, I said, this is going to be the earliest <laughs> one. <laughs> and that may or may not be true. So I, I may have been wrong about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, okay. So way back in the 18-teens, which is definitely before Oshkosh, uh, the Oneida and Stockbridge begin moving from New York to Wisconsin. Again, it's not even really Wisconsin yet, but they're moving into the territory. Um, some of them stopped in Indiana. The bulk of the move happened in the 1820s um, as they were forced out of New York by land developers. The Stockbridge settled first in Kokona, and they were set up there in 1822. The Brothertown native tribe, which is similar to the Stockbridge tribe, later on they almost become almost the same thing. Somebody out there is probably going to correct me on that, but today they're very similar. Uh, The Brothertown moved to Calumet County from New York in the 1830s, and then the Stockbridge moved from Caconda to Calumet County, also in the 1830s, and the Oneida moved up to Duck Creek, which is basically where they are today. Long story short, we're into the 1830s, and the Brothertown and Stockbridge are in Calumet County.
0: Okay, so I have to ask this question, and it's probably going to be really stupid, Okay, but why have I never heard of a Stockbridge tribe? I don't know. Why
1: have you never heard of a Stockbridge then, tribe?
0: It, so that like they're still in existence to this day? Yes. Do they have like their own reservation? Yeah. Where is it? Stockbridge area? It was okay. It Where was is it now? so. That,
1: so originally they were in well originally they were in New York, but they came here. They were in Kaukauna for a while. Um, you may have heard of one of the members of the tribe. Her name was Electa Quinney. Okay.
0: I've heard that name. Okay.
1: <laughs> then they got moved over to Calumet County in the Stockbridge area, which is why it's called Stockbridge. And then they kind of got pushed out of there into the general area of like Shawano County, kind of by the Menominee Reservation. Okay. So are they just typically nowadays
0: kind of grouped with the Menominee Reservation? So they're they, a,
1: They're in that same general area. area. They're not... On the reservation, but they're right in that same, same spot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The first murder committed in Calumet County occurred on July 3rd, 1836. So whew, whew, we're in the 1830s. It was in Stockbridge when Joseph Palmer and Isaac Wanby, well, I'm probably saying that wrong, they were Brother Town Indians, and they were with a white man named William Ryan. They were returning from the Fox River with a jug of whiskey. At this point in time, you could not easily get whiskey in Calumet County. Because where are you going to get it? It's the 1830s. Jeez. They bring it back. They stop at the house of Peter and Jacob Concapot, who were Stockbridge Indians near Stockbridge, the city. This Jacob Concapot is not to be confused with the Jacob Concapot who fought in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> And died in Kakana in a sawmill accident. Just to be clear, uh, and if you're from Kakana the one in the war is who Concapod Creek I is named after. I was just going to ask that actually. So, okay, so not the same, not the same guy here in this story. Okay. Well, the Concapods were a little drunk, and their supply of whiskey. Was running low. So when these new guys showed up with a jug of whiskey, they were very happy. <laughs> they were treated very nice and given whiskey, but eventually they wanted more whiskey than the visitors were willing to give them. Like, we can't give you all the whiskey. We got to save some for later. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, the conch-a-pots were not very happy about this. And they took out an axe and a club and they assaulted their visitors. Wanby and Ryan made their escape, but Palmer was killed, being horribly mangled, hacked, and beaten to pieces. Wow. Yes. There was a reverend in the area, a man named Cutting Marsh, which is an awesome name. Um, he had taken some medical classes, apparently, while he was training to be a minister. I don't know why, but <laughs> certainly he did. Uh, so he was the closest thing they had to a doctor. He showed up. Uh, and he's like, yeah, it's beyond my help. <laughs> Sorry. So nothing he could do. Marsh is an interesting character because he lived with the Stockbridge for a long time. And that makes them a very well-documented community because he's writing diaries and sending reports back to the church. I meaning like, oh, yeah, everything's going great here. Well, except today because the guy got hacked <laughs> up. But anyway, so really, really good records for, for this time period. But anyway. Not long after the crime was committed, the father of one of the murderers approached Reverend Marsh and brought up the story of the adulterous woman from the Gospel of John. (laughs) This is a very clever maneuver here. He said, Preacher, remember the Gospel of John in the Bible? In there, Jesus said, He that is without sin should throw the first stone. His point being was, yes, my son did kill another man, (laughs) but... Who here hasn't done something wrong? <laughs> Marsh was not convinced by this, uh, this idea. He's, he appreciated that the man used a Bible story, but he says, unfortunately, killing somebody is not, you know, you can't just say, I forgive you and everything is cool. <laughs> it's a little worse than that. The murderers were arrested and they notified the Brothertown authorities because the, the two guys who were the murderers were Stockbridge and the guy who was killed was Brothertown, again, to be clear two different tribes involved. Uh, After they consulted with each other, it was decided that they were going to bring them to the civil authorities in Green Bay um, where the military had a base at that time, Fort Howard. They sent a group there, but the Green Bay authorities said, we don't want anything to do with this. Uh, You guys are two natives. We're not responsible for you. Take care of it yourself. So instead they assembled a group of 40 native men Uh, who tried the prisoners, and after a fair trial, the concapades were found guilty on a vote of 38 to 2. Wow. (laughs) I don't know who those two guys were, but two guys apparently were okay with them (laughs) going free. (laughs) They were sentenced to be hanged, and they were going to be hanged on the line that separated the two reservations. To make it really fair, <laughs> so it's like, okay, we're gonna put it right here so both the Stockbridge and the Brotherton can see where they're going what's going on here.
0: So again, I'm probably gonna ask a question that you probably don't know the answer to, but I'm sure it's got my curiosity is was first of all, why would the these tribes have gone to Green Bay? Because didn't tribes at this point in time have their own way of dealing with this kind of stuff? I think largely they did, yeah. So, But it doesn't – you didn't find anything as to why they would have gone to – There's
1: probably something in the – again, like, the records are really good Mm -hmm. for this time period. So, there's probably something in there. I don't have access to that because they're not online. I'd have to go down to Madison and actually look at the paper records, which I did not do. So, I don't know the details of that. My assumption is basically they just didn't want to be involved – If they could just hand off this guy and be like, go sit in a Green Bay jail because we don't want to deal with it, that would be my guess, but I don't know. So the execution was scheduled, but before the day of the execution arrived, they escaped with the aid of (laughs) friends, and they sailed across Lake Winnebago in a boat, and they were never captured. On the man's tombstone, Joseph Palmer's tombstone, the man who was killed, they carved the words I was murdered by the Stockbridge Indians. <laughs> wow. Yes. Which is a really bold thing to write because it doesn't say I was murdered by Jacob Concapot. It says I was murdered by the Stockbridge Indians as if they were all to blame. Yeah. yeah. it's a really bold move there. Alcohol was clearly a factor in this murder and the local school teacher along with Cutting Marsh, the reverend, um, they actually said, if we could find who the guy was who sold them the whiskey, the white guy who sold them the whiskey, we should probably arrest him too <laughs> as being like aiding this. But they couldn't They couldn't figure out who that was. Later on, years later, the Concapot faction uh, of the Stockbridge Indians formed the Emigrant Party, which wanted to leave Stockbridge and move to Kansas. Now, apparently there's some connection between this murder and the family then wanting to move out of the area. And there's rumors that part of the reason is, is that some of them wanted to remain traditional and some of them wanted to become more like Americans. Um, and this was a big ongoing debate at the time in the 1830s because the Brotherton were actually the first tribe in the United States to accept U.S. citizenship. Wow! So the Stockbridge—that was a constant discussion among them. Are we going to, or are we not? And it was a—it was a big debate because there's a lot of value in becoming a citizen, but then you lose a lot of your identity, and you lose um, the rights you have to the land and that sort of thing. And it actually became a real big problem in the Stockbridge community because some of them wrote a letter saying, "We want to be U.S. citizens." And the government's like, okay, you're U.S. citizens. And others didn't. So they didn't decide as a tribe. Some of them actually went off independently. And the people who said, I don't think that's a good idea, actually turned out to be right. (laughs) Because they said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to become a U.S. citizen. Suddenly, the land that you live on isn't part of the reservation anymore. It's your personal land. And here's what's going to happen. A white guy is going to come in. He's going to have more money than we do, and he's going to buy, buy your land. land. And sure enough, that's exactly what, <laughs> what happened? happened.
0: Oh, my God. So, they just basically got kicked out of their homes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it was by choice. I mean, they weren't forced off the land. But when a guy comes in with money, and he's mm-hmm. like, I will offer you three times what your land is worth, the guy's going to be like, yeah. Yeah. And suddenly, Stockbridge don't have the land anymore. hmm So... The people who didn't want to become citizens, uh, at least in that case, were right. And so the stock, which, like I said earlier, like they have their little reservation up in the Menominee area, the Brotherton don't because they became U.S. citizens, which is why you never hear the Brotherton Mm -hmm. tribe because there's people who might still identify that way, but they're basically just Just you know U.S. citizens.
0: Everybody else, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, I'm pulling in a lot of history here, so people. People get the context, a lot of context, and a lot of it, a lot more than I'm even going to get into because it's so complex it's so detailed and so hard. But there's that. The second murder is going to be super short. Okay. 1838, a Frenchman named Ducharme was married to an Indian woman. He came home drunk from Taichita, and in the presence of several other women, assaulted and horribly mutilated his wife. The other women fled in terror from the scene, hoping that they did not get assaulted and horribly mutilated. This happened in the community of what is now today Quinney, which is Calumet County. Um, Descharmes was arrested by the authorities, brought to Green Bay because he was a white guy. So he was brought to Green Bay. Uh, He was tried. He was defended by a very good lawyer and he was acquitted. And so after this... The Indians were like, okay, maybe we don't want to bring people to the white authorities anymore because <laughs> this this did not work out in our favor. He clearly was drunk and mutilated his wife and they didn't do anything about it. So, that's the whole story there. Okay. Cuz it's it's I could find nothing on this one. Nothing. Which it doesn't help the fact that the guy's name was Ducharme but they don't give him a first name. I mean, so,
0: yeah. And his <laughs> wife
1: doesn't have a name in the story, so trying to actually track this down was really really challenging. Okay. Mm-hmm. The third, the third and final story, backtrack slightly to put the context here. 1832, Congress passed a law called the Indian Removal Act. Well, that sounds promising. Yes. And they said, okay, what's going to happen is all Indians east of the Mississippi River are going to be moved west of the Mississippi River. So we're going to push them over there. Uh, Not immediately. Didn't happen in 1832. But they're like, we're going to keep slowly pushing them over. And as I kind of suggested earlier, some of the Stockbridge, they knew this was coming. So they were like, okay, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go to Kansas. Some of them did. Mm -hmm. Some of them stayed put. And some of the ones that stayed put actually did pretty well for themselves. If you remember back to our Chief Oshkosh episode, this is what happened with the Menominee. By the time the push got to the Menominee, they were going to move them over to Minnesota. Right. And Oshkosh was like, heck no. Mm-hmm. And he fought and you know, they lost a lot of land, but they ended up getting a reservation, which I believe, and somebody can correct me, but I believe is actually the largest reservation in the whole country. Really? I believe so. I could be wrong but it's, I mean, it's pretty sizable.
0: Yeah, And but in comparison to the land that it, he gave up, it's nothing. <laughs>
1: it, it's, it is. It's a fraction, but-
0: Because, I mean, didn't he give up half the state of Wisconsin for the most pretty, part?
1: Pretty sizable, yeah. yeah. But this Minnesota is not the land that we grew up on. We have no connection to this. So, yeah, is it a win? I don't know, but it was better than moving. And kind of a similar thing is going on here now, with the Stockbridge, the Stockbridge, are like, we've already moved from New York to Wisconsin. We don't want to get moved to Oklahoma and Kansas. 1840, the estimated population of what would be Calumet County was roughly 230 Stockbridge, 300 Brothertown, who were now citizens at this point, and three white men. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, Calumet County is definitely so cool. a heavily Native community. Right. In early 1840, a Stockbridge man named Peter Sherman was murdered by fellow tribal member Isaac Littleman, with robbery as the motive. Sherman was a man of means and lived alone in a secluded spot. The murder was not discovered until a week after it occurred in the dead of winter, with his body frozen solidly to the floor.
0: That sounds pretty awful.
1: Yes. Littleman was arrested with some of Sherman's property... And denied his guilt in the murder until the dead man's property, more of the dead man's property, was found in his house. Uh, which, you know, not necessarily proof, but doesn't look good. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look good. So they put together what they called a high court of the nation to act as judges. The three men who were going to be the judges in this case were Austin Quinney, who was a brother to Electa Quinney, the teacher a man named Jacob Chicks, and a man named John Chicks. Uh, Austin Quinney was also a high-ranking chief in the Stockbridge community. Again, there's only 230 Stockbridge members, so there's not like it's a huge Ooh, yeah. group, yeah. but still. And, okay, so they go on trial, and, and they have like a, not all that different version of trial than we think of as a trial. They've got three judges instead of one, but they also have their version of lawyers. They have what they would call advocates. Two advocates were chosen to represent the tribe as like prosecutors, and two were chosen to be on the defense side. So, um, I don't know the names of who those people were. But they, it's kind of like they got these two teams to argue over guilt and innocence and then judges to decide after that. So
0: so, so basically would you I would you say that like these advocates, like the people that defend it, they just Found two people in the tribe that thought this person should get off and said, hey, will you defend for him? And then they found two people that thought he should be put away, and then they were the prosecutors, more or less. I'm not
1: entirely sure how they decided who would get these roles. I mean, they're not like attorneys in any real sense. They're they're not arguing points of law here.
0: Yeah, and Uh, it doesn't
1: sound probably like
0: they were – There was, like, two dedicated people that were prosecutors and two dedicated people that were defense. No, I definitely don't
1: get that impression at all. I think this is probably the first and only time they were ever doing this. Yeah. Interesting. So, I don't know. Again, this may be, like, in the the records somewhere, but it wasn't something I could find without going into the the archives in Madison, which uh, I'm sorry to our listeners. It's not something I can do, you know, for these episodes because it's – No offense, I'm not going to drive to Madison every week to put an episode together. All right. The trial concluded in February 1840, and he was found guilty. He was sentenced to be hanged by the Stockbridge authorities. When he was on the scaffold, he confessed to another murder, that of a woman in De eight years earlier. Strangely enough, the hangman was Peter Littleman, who was the cousin to Isaac Littleman, the killer. So, the killer was going to be hanged by his own cousin. Weird. It is weird, but again, only 230 guys. Yeah. This, <laughs> well, men and women. Yeah. In, in this tribe. So, uh, most of them are related in one way or another.
0: Yeah, that's very
1: fair too. Yeah. According to the book on Cayman County, where I took some of these stories from, quote, this was the first murder of a white man with the trial conducted by the Indians. This was wrong, however. The book on Toten is wrong. Because it's not a white man. They were both Stockbridge. So, sorry, Chilton History Book. (laughs) Book, you are wrong. You are wrong. (laughs) You are wrong. Uh, Reverend Cutting Marsh was at the hanging, and he wrote, quote, If it can be so ordered, I desire never to witness another execution. He retired from the ministry in 1856 and lived in the Wapaka area until his death in 1873. The Stockbridge settled in Shawano County. Uh, in 1856, which is the same year Marsh retired, and maybe that is why he retired, because maybe once the tribe moved from Calumet to Shano, he's like, I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. I mean, he moved to Wapaca, but maybe he didn't want to move with the tribe anymore. Um, this is when they were forced to move again, and they ended up cutting a deal of not having to be moved west of the Mississippi. Few remained in the actual city of Stockbridge, um, and the last of the holdouts were gone in 1859, so three years later. And by 1859, they had all moved out of Calumet County or had passed on. There's still a Stockbridge Cemetery in Stockbridge where a lot of these early natives are buried, so that's still there. But there's, like, nothing to indicate the tribe was ever there at all anymore, besides the cemetery. Weird. Yeah. And there's nothing to indicate they were ever in Kakana either, for that matter.
0: Yeah, yeah, and – you would have th- you would well other than other than the fact that there is a school named after Electa Quinney right. but but I mean that's neither here there nor yeah, there. Yeah, there's
1: a little historical marker where the settlement roughly was in Kakana, but that's it. Like there's no buildings, there's nothing.
0: Do do you know where this historical marker
1: is? Sure do. Where is it? Um well if you're not from Kakana, this isn't going to mean anything to you but um it's in Thelan Park. Okay. So, park. I'm trying to think Thielen Park. So, I I think the, the street is Thielen Avenue. Yeah, I and I'm trying to think where Thielen and Avenue it, And it meets up with Buchanan Road.
0: Okay. I'm trying to think where there's a park there, Bill. But, but interesting. It's not a large park. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, little Native American history. Yeah, what I, a little, what
1: little I, Native history there. And yeah, I mean, I've been really getting into that lately because I find it just fascinating how much of this. Is well documented, but like, it, even though it happened, we grew up in Kukana, mm-hmm. and like, like I knew Alektaquini because we went to Alektaquini school, but we're not really taught about yeah. the native settlement there. Yeah,
0: and and I don't know about you, but like, obviously, I know Alektaquini because of the school, yeah. but I had no idea why it was called Alektaquini. I, don't, I just learned that right now. Yeah, I don't so, know. <laughs> I don't
1: remember if I knew that as a kid or not. I don't know.
0: But but you would think they would, at some point in time in our lives, that would have been mentioned to us that we would know that, you know? Right. I mean, I know that Tanner is named after some pharmacist from Cacana. Yeah, so that's So why true. wouldn't I know that about about Quinny, too? I don't Which know.
1: Is, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I know a fair amount about Electa Quinny because that's like my job, my day job. Um, but I don't remember at what point I knew that. I don't know if I knew any of that as a kid. I,
0: I'm curious as to do you have any idea why? Why did they move them all to Shano? Like, like
1: kind of group all these. I, I'm guessing it had something to do with the Menominee already had an agreement, so it was just just kind of like they'll just the go, should
0: just go shove them over there because that's where the other ones are. Yeah, and and I would love to learn about how the negotiations went because Mm -hmm. you said there was like a federal law passed right that said all all the native americans are moving across the mississippi right so how did they go about negotiating where where they just said well okay even though this law says you have to we're just gonna let you stay here that's just kind of an interesting thing i'm sure
1: there was a lot of a lot of stuff i mean that's way beyond my knowledge and uh I mean, I don't know if people know this, but like a lot of times we say Indians or Native Americans and we use it in a very generic way, but there's like hundreds of tribes. Yeah. And they're all have their own culture and everything. Like this is a lot of groups of people. And you know, this the thing that people are, are maybe they're not familiar with, but I'm sure they have at least heard of is the Trail of Tears. And that's that's what this act was, the Indian Removal Act. So like the Natives who were in Wisconsin, them moving farther up north or over to Minnesota, not the worst thing in the world. I mean for them, it's terrible. I don't mean to to downplay it, but it's not a major thing compared to the Trail of Tears, which is like the natives in Florida being forced to go to Oklahoma. yeah, like you can imagine how much that stinks. yeah, I mean they're most of them like are walking. Yeah. Walking from Florida to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. land that's completely different than the climate you're used to, everything else, like that is pretty terrible. But I mean,
0: think about it in, in the other perspective of the Unidas and the Stockbridge tribes yeah. moved from New York. That trek from New York to, right. to Wisconsin could not have been very much fun either. No. <laughs> you no. know, in so many ways. No. So.
1: Yeah, and that's and that was before that was before the The giant removal. But yeah, I mean, a similar concept where I might have explained this in the past, but like it's just this really sneaky thing that they did because the land developers would come in and they'd offer you money. Like the land developers had no legal right to just take tribal land, but they'd offer you money for the land. And then it puts you in this position where you either say no – that's not fair, you know, this is our land, we don't want to give it up. Or you say yes and you give it up, but you know in the back of your mind, if you say no to the land developers, sooner or later, the another – Yeah, the government when or another group is going to come, come in. And, and
0: just take it away,
1: basically. Yeah, yeah, by by this point in time, they knew what the routine, routine was. Yeah. Wow. So you said that you've
0: been getting a, really into Native American history yeah and I'm sure our, our, many of our listeners are not aware that you have a Menominee tribe book I, I out, do. which is just a picture book it but is. it is but it is a book that's out there but yeah is something on your bucket list to be maybe write a Wisconsin history book a deeper Wisconsin history book into a single tribe or maybe all. Indul- like all the tribes in Wisconsin, or something. I don't know.
1: So I'll, I'll I'll explain a little bit about this. Just I don't know. I feel now we're we're running long. I feel, but <laughs> but whatever, because you, because you asked. <laughs> um, so the Menominee book. What happened with that is the company, the book publisher I was working with was Arcadia, which primarily make these these photo album books called Images of America. I'm sure everybody's seen them. They're in Walgreens and everywhere else, and I had done a couple with them at that point, and they said, hey, do you have another idea to do one? And so, I thought it would be great to do Menominee, because I myself am not Menominee. Mm -hmm. But my grandfather grew up on the reservation, and his parents were tribal members. And so, when I was growing up, for Christmas, we'd go... We'd go to the Menominee yeah. reservation. So like, so I'm Menominee in the same sense that I'm German or I'm <laughs> French or whatever. So I mean, you know, I've got that. I've got that, but I wouldn't call myself that. Just same as I wouldn't call myself French or German. Right. Even though I am. But I was like, this is a good opportunity for me to really kind of explore this part of my family history. So I did that and, and turned it into a book form. You know, I, I felt a little weird about it since I wasn't a tribal member writing about a tribe, but it, it wasn't like I was a complete outsider. Right. But that's that's the thing. Like, I would feel a little more strange writing about the Stockbridge or the Ho-Chunk or any of these other groups uh, because not that I don't think I'm competent. I think I could do a good job. I think I could do a fair job, but I don't have the personal connection and – I don't know if you need it, but I think it's helpful. Well, I mean, I- I'm going to pick that
0: logic apart because you also don't have a, really a personal connection to the Milwaukee Mafia. I don't. <laughs> so I <laughs> don't. No, you're absolutely
1: you're absolutely right. I don't. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not Italian whatsoever. I have no connection to the community, and you're you're completely right. That logic is is similar, mm-hmm. but it's I see it different because I see that as writing like. A history of true crime and you can write true crime about anything i mean you don't have to have any connection to, to the incident to write the true crime story with native history i just and maybe this is me but i feel it's just such a touchy thing that at the very least you'd want to get like a blessing to say like yeah, yeah it's cool to do it
0: yeah i i i suppose because like I'm sure there are plenty of Native Americans out there that would feel I don't want a white dude talk r- writing about my history, right? More or less, and, right? And I'm sure there's plenty of them that would be fine with it, but but there are probably a lot that's like, no, it should be done by somebody that exactly is connected to us that understands our culture and things like that.
1: Exactly. So because it's 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 very weird not being part of that community and talking about it because I can say like. We all know pr- pretty much every single tribe in this country, I mean, maybe there's an exception, but pretty much every tribe in this country got screwed over pretty mm-hmm. bad. Uh, but it's one thing to say that and to actually have something like that happened to you because of that. And I can't say that. Mm-hmm. Like I can't be like, oh, my great-grandfather was screwed out of this or that or he had to grow up in poverty. I can't say that. Mm-hmm. So like I could say like oh yeah the the natives got really screwed over but here I'm the white guy yeah, you whose don't... whose ancestors are the ones who screwed them over <laughs> yeah so like it's it's weird to be aware of that but still not be a part of it
0: right I can see that I think that's fair I am and-
1: uh, I maybe I'm not being as clear as I could be but it's 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 really tough to 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 come at that from an angle that's being respectful of of yeah. the. A yeah. much
0: better approach would be to co-author it with somebody sure. or something like yes. that. Yeah. Maybe that that I, I could. So do. you can they can add their personal touch to it while you know you right. can still do your researching and things like.
1: Like that, I so. said, I think I could do a good job. I think I mean I, I, I'm confident in my writing abilities. That's not the issue. I mean I I can I'm a good writer in my opinion and and I'm interested which is important. But yeah, it's just I it'd be weird to do it and then have somebody be like you told my story like <laughs> why did you tell my story so I don't know well I mean
0: I'm actually after this podcast gonna look it up and see if we can find if I can find a book because I think that would be a very interesting thing to read about it's just the history of the different tribes
1: yeah I mean so, certainly that exists there's, I'm there's, sure there is there's plenty of books out there on on all the different tribes but I still think there's a lot of work to be done like now we're really brought it running along but but like I In the process of like reading about this, not just for this episode, but in general, like Cutting Marsh, the Reverend who's with Stockbridge, he kept these diaries and he was with them for decades and he kept these diaries. And to my knowledge, there is no book on him. Him? There's his diaries have never been published. They're in Madison, they're in the archives. And I'm like, that's something that should be out there for people right. to read. I I, mean, can't, I can't hardly believe that nobody ever thought I'm gonna write a, you know, even if it's not a tribal story, just the story of this guy. guy. Yeah, like you could edit his diaries into like the most interesting pieces. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, nobody has ever done it.
0: Well, somebody out there should do that because that I would read
1: it. Somebody, so, yeah, I, I would. Mean, I would too. The closest I found was somebody wrote like a master's thesis on it, which you can't find online either. So, so it's this major piece of of tribal and state and religious, you know, interconnection that is just sitting out there waiting for somebody.
0: And it, it just continues, like you know about this one thing. Yeah. How many more things like that are out there? Yeah. That you know nobody ever sees because they've never been published and that's really kind of a tragedy i, I, th- guess. I think
1: about that a lot because i, sp- I spent so much time in archives <laughs> or at least i used to i don't as much as i used to but but there's so much material out there that nobody knows that's exists it. and you know, yeah so all right
0: well we did run a little long on this one but everybody got somewhat of a a lot of rambling and and a little bit of history and a little bit of murder. So. Yeah.
1: Well, I hope I hope they got something out of that. Like I do think it's a really fascinating story that doesn't really get told, and especially since like we live in this area, and, yeah. and we don't even know what happened in the area we live in.
0: Yeah. Like like one of us didn't even know there was a Stockbridge tribe. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well. Thanks, everybody, again for the continued support. We'll wrap this episode up and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for tuning in. All right.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.